evaluate the problems that the organization is facing and then prioritize those problems, which, in my opinion, are likely causing lower conversion rates, lower bookings, lower sales, lower leads, whatever that may be, because you might find that it's more of a training issue rather than a technology enablement issue, right? And so in that scenario, I would hire, obviously, a sales enablement manager to assist with that. I might find that the sales team is a pretty top-class sales team and the managers are doing magnificent training on their own, right? That's, you know, and maybe we don't need a sales enablement manager, but maybe there's a disconnect on the top of the funnel, the marketing side. And so maybe I need a, a marketing operations manager for that. So I think it's evaluating the problems that are sort of the organizations facing and trying to understand which of these are going to provide a bigger and quicker uplift when you bring them on board. This is Rev Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in revenue operations. We invite the brightest minds in RevOps onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting, metrics, and all things revenue. This podcast is brought to you by Ebster, a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today we're joined by Saul Garcia, who's the VP of Revenue Operations at Health Recovery Solutions. Saul, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. So I'm seeing six years experience split between Sales Ops and revenue ops. Before we get into that topic, I'd love to know how we first, or why we first decided to jump into that first sales ops role. Absolutely. So I think, I personally love this question. I love asking it myself to other people because uh, it's always a different journey for everybody. No one really goes to college or school for um, for sales ops, right? So uh, we all sort of fall into it. So um, so it sort of leads back to the beginning of, of university for me. So I started off as a uh, computer science and mathematics major in school. So I was double majoring. Uh, as generally is the case for most people in college, uh, you know, my priorities were not what they are now. And so uh, I actually ended up switching my degree into psychology. I really enjoyed it. Um, I realized at, the, at that age, at the time, I, I decided that that probably wasn't the route for me, computer science and mathematics. And so I really wanted to go into the counseling route. So graduated with that, held a few roles in sort of the mental health space. What always ended up happening, every role that I held, I always sort of resorted back into some sort of an analytical role, some sort of systems-related role. So I started to realize that this is really where my bread and butter was, uh, you know, having a more analytical role. I also wanted to go into a, a field or an area or into an industry or a role where I was measured a little bit more 
strictly and with more scrutiny uh, for my performance. Uh, I really like the idea of having a role and or being a part of a team that you're, you know, it's pretty clear in terms of how you're performing or how you're not performing. Now, the ultimate role for that is sales, right? You're either hitting code or not. I know I'm not great at sales, so that wasn't the role for me. But I heard about sales ops. So I started looking into it um, and uh, it seemed to be a good fit for me. So I, I decided to sort of start my career over. I uh, went into an entry-level role at, uh, at, a, uh, at an organization in sales ops and that sort of changed my life. Uh, I, I really fell into it and really fell in love in, in, uh, with sales ops. And that's been my course ever since. Yeah, so two things I like to, to bring out there. The first of which is your, the fact that you had the initial degree in the analytical maths computer science, right. and then you shifted to the softer psychology. Actually, but those two skills are very needed yes. in sales ops, right? Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that really helps me uh, in sales ops is I think we have to, in sales ops, um, we really have to build bridges between different parts of the organization. And, and you collaborate with uh, different levels of the organization as well. And so for the psychology part, really helps me to, in my interpersonal and interpersonal communication skills, to help establish these bridges and, and, and make these connections so that we can really move the business forward. Uh, it's, it's something that's super crucial, I think, in this role. Um, you know, a lot of emphasis is put on the analytical side, on the analysis side of um, uh, building processes, whatever that may be. Uh, but there's a huge emphasis ar- around building relationships and connections as well. Loaded question. How much did your experience with um, as, a, as a therapist help you with your, your relationships with salespeople? Oh, immensely. Uh, you know, I think... Um, I know it's you know it's not a secret. Salespeople are are um, a little different in a very good way, uh, right? Uh, you know they are very nicely put. Very driven. Uh, you know they. Uh, I mean, I, I I always say this that I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for sales, right? So I think at times uh, there is this negative stigma between sales ops and sales, and the relationship isn't great, and it has to be. You have to support that team. You have to be uh, a partner with every individual, the individual contributors to the management team. So, um, yeah, it helps me a lot uh, just to really understand and and to be empathetic and understand kind of what they're going through and understand that just because I'm building something in Salesforce that they should follow doesn't mean that it's going to help them, right? You, you want to make sure you understand kind of where they're coming from and, and make sure that it's something that they'll be able to move forward with. Totally agree. Zooming into today, health recovery solutions. Did you was there a revenue operations function before you joined, or did you decide we need a revenue operations function? No, so there was not a revenue operations function. So actually, at the last three organizations I've been at, I was the first revenue operations hire for all three of these uh, organizations. So um, yeah, it was I was the first hire for that to, with the intention of, of growing the team. Awesome. And roughly how many reps well, and CS reps are we supporting right now? And how many people are in the RevOps function? So in sales and CS, there's probably between the 30 and 40 range. Um, maybe 40 plus if you consider some of the ancillary uh, uh, roles that are around there. Uh, and right now in uh, our RevOps team, it's a team of five, normally a team of seven. Um, but we, we have uh, essentially functions for sales enablement. Um, I have a, a smaller team of two, which I call my technology team, which is um, 
managed by a senior Salesforce administrator, and then we have a junior Salesforce administrator uh, handling not just Salesforce, but all technology on the sales and CS side. I have a marketing operations manager, um, and so obviously that's handling all the mar- all the martech. Um, and then I have a junior revenue operations analyst uh, that helps me with all the uh, reporting and analysis that sort of I've started my career in, but now I don't have necessarily the time to run analysis for two, three days right, uh, in my role anymore. So uh, he helps me with that. And then also a CS operations lead, a customer success operations lead. And who do you report into? I report into the CRO, the chief revenue officer. Awesome. So you're meeting like weekly to go over the ops projects? Yeah, we meet weekly on a weekly basis. And for the rest of 2021, what would you say is the biggest priority for the RevOps function at Health Recovery Solutions? It's all 2022, really. Um, that's the biggest focus for us, right? We're right here on September 21st. Uh, we're finishing up Q3. And really, Q4 is about preparedness for, for 2022. Uh, whether it's sales and capacity planning, marketing budgets, um, preparing Salesforce uh, so, uh, so that we are set it's really important, especially in Q4, to try to get as much as you can done before Q1 starts. So that way, all of our data is set up the way we want it to be at the beginning, rather than having to go back and historically fix things. Uh, so just from top to bottom, uh, really pretty much all of our focus is going to be how we prepare for 2022. Now, obviously, for some of us, and my focus especially is we want to obviously finish the year really strong, uh, but just sort of based on the project timeline and the lag that is uh, around that for, for RevOps projects, uh, we're really looking at 2022. Do you have the big revenue number target for 2022 yet, or is that to be to be created? No, that's part of the sales planning. So that's, uh, you know, it's um, something that is really interesting is, uh, you know, I joined last year. And so we, HRS had tremendous growth in 2020. Um, so uh, there was, uh, when we were going into 2021, there was a top-down number that was provided. Um, and I'm sure for anybody listening, they know how that goes. Um, and so uh, what we're doing now for 2022 um, is something that I'll be leading is a bottoms-up build completely from the, the most scrutinized detail at the very bottom to how, what number is that going to get us to. Uh, there's likely going to be a gap, right, from the top number to there, and then we have to try to figure out how we how we close that gap. But that's going to be our process now, moving into 2022. I think it's a perfect drop-off point for Alex to come in because I'm sure he's going to want to dig into <laughs> that bottom-up forecast that we've been discussing. Thanks, Tom, and thanks for and absolutely, Tom. So let's let's start there. So yeah, t- talk to me a bit about how you're yeah you're trying to forecast and build this this plan out for 2022. Yeah, so I'll start with marketing, right? At the top of, of the funnel, we're, we're really looking at, um, and, so, and, and, and I'll say this with a caveat, some of this is probably pretty straightforward for, for many people, but I think it's something that, for, you know, that is a bit of a paradigm shift for HRS, which I'm trying to challenge people to think of it this way, right? Which is how much are we spending per channel? How many leads do we expect and how many leads do we get per channel? Uh, from those leads, how many of those leads are converting? And how many of those leads are converting at each stage? Of those leads that convert, how many convert into opportunities and in, or into pipeline? 
And then eventually, the same thing, how much of those convert into each stage of the pipeline to eventually how much of it converts into bookings. I would say probably not this year. We might have some time, but we want to look at how long those are also staying as customers, right? Um, I, it's a you know, crawl before we, uh, before we run sort of a thing, but that's probably a next stage thing. Um, and on the sales side, you know, we're looking at capacity. How long does it take to ramp up each sales rep? Um, how much pipeline are they going to need? How much do they have to? How much pipeline do they have to build themselves? Um, what's our attrition like? Uh, you know, do we? You know, are we going to have to plan for that? Um, how you know what, what we don't know now, which we will determine, is do we need to hire more uh, to hit our numbers and so forth? So it's going to be a very. We've already started it on the marketing side, uh, and so it's going to be a very detailed process. Whereas, like I said before, it was this is the number, and how do you get there? Um, we're we're really flipping that coin over and 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 starting from the other side. That's great. And um, and when you say about will you need to hire, are you are you going to build that from the bottom up, or would that be how you would try and address a assumed gap that's coming between what you think is realistic versus what you've been tasked to deliver? Yeah, I think what we'll likely have is uh, you know we'll say okay, we're we're, we're expecting some X percentage growth, right? And so we'll put that into our model and say, okay, so in order to get there, this is what we, this is, you know, we have to hire two more individuals, three more individuals, you know, uh, build out the mid-market team more or whatever that is, right? Because that's another thing. We just launched a mid-market team. So is part of the gap growing the mid-market team more or do we hire more enterprise reps? Um, and then I'm sure, like I said, that, that I'm sure there'll be a, a number that comes down that says this is where you need to get to. And so hopefully the, the assumption that we've made is going to align to the to the smallest cent uh, as far as what that number might be, but um, you know that that's 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 the hope. That's that's great. Um, yeah, I just wanted to pick up on some of the things you said earlier as well, which um, sure. particularly interested in one of the things you said first. Just so you said you you know you you realized you know that you probably weren't cut out for sales. Um, but you really liked the idea. So I'm not. I'm not going to take the negative. I'll say that all day. <laughs> yeah, but that you really like the idea of being evaluated and had a performance target. Um, yeah. And I don't think I've really heard many people say that before. And I just wanted to, if you if you could speak a bit into that mindset and and sure. how that kind of helps you in in the in the RevOps world. Yeah, I think it probably comes back to maybe my sports background, right? Uh, I've I've always been uh, in in sort of roles or positions that were, for example, I was not I was not a, I wasn't a striker I wasn't a forward I was a defender uh, and so um, I think uh, and maybe if I had better skills I could be a midfielder but I, that, that wasn't going to be the case I wasn't distributing the ball uh, I wasn't a point guard but I, I certainly like being a part of a team and helping that team grow and succeed so I think that's where being measured and performed, uh, being measured on my performance and, and on the team's performance, really. Because in RevOps, I think you, you could say that RevOps can be individually measured in different ways. But I think ultimately what it comes down to is, are you helping the teams that you support and the organization move forward? And so that's how I see, that's how I, I feel like we can be measured. And so that's the part that I think really uh, interested me in, in sales ops because I wasn't necessarily out on the court per se, uh, but I could help the coaches uh, game plan better. I could help them prepare better uh, and, and perform better. Uh, and so that's, I think, where you know, 
I accepted that I wasn't a starting player. I, I was I was riding the bench, I guess you could say, and that uh, I, I understood that this could be my role to help the team move forward. We love that that sports <laughs> metaphor, and it's it's so helpful. And I just I think obviously modern sales is less kind of maybe the historic kind of competing against each other and is more you know team play. But I really like the idea of actually rather than than owning an individual number, you're 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 owning the team number, and actually. Right. That's what we're working towards, and that's that's what the RevOps function does. And as you said, there are ways to individually evaluate performance. You know, there are some pieces, but but ultimately, the best way to evaluate your performance or the performance of you and your team is 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 how do you help those revenue functions? Absolutely. And I just think that's such a such a positive kind of way of looking at it, and and that but that it sort of stokes a little bit of that competitive spirit that's always good for you right. know <laughs> really trying to excel and do your best. So so I love that. So thanks. That was really really helpful and. Um, I think you did a fantastic job of blending at least a decent number of sports in so that regardless <laughs> of geography, people probably understood what you're saying. So exactly, uh, exactly. Good, good job. Um, <laughs> and then really the main thing I wanted to spend some time on, um, was you said that last three times you've been the first hire in the RevOps function and hired to sort of grow a team. And, um, you know, that's a lot of experience growing a team um, from, from a team of one to, you know, to, what, to whatever size. I just I think it would be be super helpful for you to give you a bit of your you know your template. So you, you know third time you're doing it, how how do you go about figuring out who's high number two, high number you know etc. And you know don't need all the numbers by them, but how, how do you start building out that roadmap? How do you how do you justify it? All all the pieces around that I think that would be super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think for me, uh, so the first role that I held in sales operations, um, it was a large organization, 2,500 employees. Um, and I started off in a reporting role. And so the first like two years or so of my sales operations career was all reporting. Eventually managed the team. Where there was five of us. And that's pretty much what we were doing. It was mostly reporting. We had about 300 plus sales reps. So my, my foundation is in sort of the reporting side. So when I go into an organization, generally speaking, um, especially early stage, uh, they're asking you as the first hire of sales or rev ops to improve data and to improve reporting. And so I sort of, I look at what is it that they're trying to report on or what sort of data do they want versus what's actually available. There's usually a humongous gap to start off with, right? So I, I usually, that's sort of, that's how I start. I, I look at what's missing in the data and, and try to then build that up, right? And so if, uh, for me personally, my first hire is almost always a Salesforce administrator. Uh, I've only Salesforce is the only CRM that I've used, so I, I usually start off with hiring a, a CRM administrator to to help me with it. I am, I say, I'm a de facto admin. I can get by for a few months, uh, and then eventually, that's not my skill set, right? So, um, you know, that's usually my first hire, and then I try again try to determine what the organization needs. Um, if, for example, the organization needs. Uh, has higher focus on retention, on on retaining their customers, building that customer base, or or sorry, uh, uh, increase expanding that customer base. Um, I might go with a CS operations lead, right? Uh, if uh, I also notice that the marketing function can really use a marketing operations manager, uh, I might suggest that that's my next hire. Uh, so I try to understand where the business is at. Uh, to um, figure out which how my how hires are going to come right because I, I didn't get all 
six hires on, on, you know, on one day. It was, it certainly was staggered. Uh, so that's generally, I think, the process that I go through is just trying to understand what the business needs. I can't go in thinking I'm going to do hire this first, this second, this third, because it, every business is a little different. Um, I will say I probably do go in thinking CRM administrator is going, going to be my first. But um, yeah, I usually just try to evaluate. And, and I think just bringing it back to the beginning, for me, just because it, it's, it's how my brain works, I start with reporting. Right? What, what, I ask them which reports they're using. I ask them what they're trying to report on. Eight times out of 10, I'm usually informing them that what they're looking to report on is actually not what this report says, and they've been using it probably for the past year. Uh, so that's usually how, how I start my process. Thanks. That's really, really helpful. And yeah, 100% that you know, you've got to tailor it to the business, I think, but it's still a really, really helpful roadmap. In, in the examples you gave, it was, it was mainly about sort of functions, so CS or, or marketing, how... Um, but you've also mentioned about being, you know, you, you're being sort of data driven on the reporting side. Haven't really touched super much on, on process, but you've also mentioned way back in the beginning, talked about enable and how how do you sort of decide how you how the, instead of the function functional aspect, the, the kind of the skill set aspect of building up your team. So you, we've talked about Salesforce administrator first, but when do you decide to go maybe try and look at enablement versus more reporting, you know, an analytics side versus tech support, for example? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So I think, I think for me, I, I sort of tried to evaluate the problems that the organization is facing and, and then prioritize those problems, which which, which, in my opinion, are likely causing lower conversion rates, lower bookings, lower sales, um, lower leads, uh, whatever that may be, uh, because you might find that it's more of a training issue rather than a technology enablement issue, right? And so in that scenario, I would hire, obviously, a sales enablement manager to assist with that. Um, I might find that the sales team is a pretty top-class sales team uh, and the managers are doing magnificent training on their own, right? That's, you know, and maybe we don't need a sales enablement manager, but maybe there's a disconnect on the top of the funnel on the marketing side. Um, and so maybe I need a, a marketing operations manager for that. So I think it's evaluating the problems that are sort of that the organization's facing and, and trying to understand which of these are going to provide a a bigger and quicker uplift uh, when you bring them on board. Fantastic. And I, I suppose, and, and you haven't said it, and you can feel free to disagree with me, but I presume you also then would look at your skill set and totally. how big your team is, number of people. Because if you've brought in, you know, as you said, marketing was a big problem, you're not generating enough leads, and you brought in someone on the MarTech side, and they're also quite analytical, you might start to say, well, we've got a gap here on the more process or whatever side, you know. But if actually they've all got a complementary skill set, they can do 80% of their time marketing exclusively, 20% of the time helping work across the, all those ways you're, but your approach seems consistently, what does the business need? How are we going to provide the most impact for, you know, for, for the next hire, the next piece of headcount? I totally agree. Yeah, I think you have to admit where your strengths are and when your weaknesses are. Uh, and I, I think I've mentioned a few of my weaknesses so far on, on, on this call so far. So I think, um, you, you know, I know that my background is in sales operations. And so that's obviously going to be my strength. Um, I 
can speak the language enough in marketing operations, but I'm not the MarTech expert, right? So that is an example where I will bring in someone more senior in that role uh, to, to really help with that, right? I'm also not a sales trainer, uh, which which is why we have a sales enablement manager on our team, right? And some people have that skill, some people don't. Uh, I have to recognize which skills I, I possess and which I don't. And that will also dictate sort of how I build a team as well. Yeah, really helpful. Also remembering that there's a, you know, what, it's not just a head. They, they could be, as you said, they could be senior, they could be more junior, fitting, fitting the role and, and, and prioritizing. That's a really helpful extra level. And don't worry, you've certainly shown plenty of areas where, where you have strengths <laughs> and, and, and not weaknesses. So yeah, that's, that's, that's been clear. Cool, Tom, do you want to come join us and wrap up? Yep. Saul, most important question. Hmm. Who in the world of RevOps would you most like to take for lunch? Oh man, that's that's a really good question. Um, I would say there's uh, personally there's probably two people that I really tend to take on a lot of their knowledge and, and processes. I think, um, and this is probably a pretty common answer. So sorry if it's cliche for anybody listening. Uh, I think the two people that I would consider are um, Jeff Ignacio. Uh, which I've had the pleasure to share a virtual stage with um, mm. previously, um, and Rosalind Elena um, as well. I think those two, I tend to, you know, RevOps is a really interesting world where I think we, we tend to learn more from our peers. Uh, there's, there's, they, there's a lot of great content out there actually as well, but like a podcast like this, right, is great because this is really where I think you start to really learn how, in a lot of ways, I've learned that some things that I'm doing that sometimes I'm not very confident if this is the right way, I hear other people doing it. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's awesome because that's, that's actually what I've been doing. And that, that confirms that I'm doing the right thing. Um, and then on the other hand, you also hear different ways or new ways. We're all built differently. Our minds work differently. So you hear about how someone else has solved the solution uh, that you've been you know, dealing with for two years and you haven't had a really good solution. And, and now you, 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 know, you know how to, how to move forward with that. So I think those are the two people that I generally see. Um, I, I love how their brain works. It's you know, how they uh, release their content and, and how, they can, uh, how they propose solutions to problems is, is magnificent. So I think either of those two uh, would be great people to, to learn from. Amazing, yeah. So Jeff is a former guest, but we haven't. Rosalind has now been mentioned a couple of times, so we will definitely be reaching out. Saul, I want to thank you for coming on, being so open, sharing exactly what you're working on for for 2022. For example, um, it's been great to to have somebody on the show who has a real seems like you have a real passion for the <laughs> for being measured, which I I really liked, and I didn't pick this out, but Alex did. And that's probably the the thing that I've taken away that. I, I wasn't really aware of is that sales ops is a good place to come if you don't want to be a salesperson, but you still want to be accountable or, or measured for the result. And that's an insight that we haven't had after, I think, about 200 interviews now, Alex. So, um, <laughs> Saul, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I really, I've had a lot of fun. So, thank you both. I, I appreciate the invite here. Thank you for listening to this episode of RevOps Demystified. If you're listening on a podcast listening application, please follow, rate, and review the show. And if you have any questions 
about the show, can recommend a guest or just want to learn more about RevOps or Ebster, hit us up at podcast at ebster.com. 